Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 17. The Bible says, This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness that is in their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over into lasciviousness to work all uncleanliness with greediness. So the Bible says, but... Ye have not known or learned Christ that way, but you have not so learned Christ. So if so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now, if you go back to this scripture, there is a way Gentiles walk. There is a way the people of this world walk. There is a way the people of this cosmos walk. The people who are simply after the nature of men walk. Right? And the Bible tells us that they walk in the vanity of their mind in the vanity of their mind. They walk in the vanity of their mind. Their minds are vain. Their minds think vain things. Their minds allude to useless things. Their minds respond to unbeneficial things. That's the life of the Gentile. It doesn't matter how wise that Gentile looks. If a man does not have the life of God within him, Everything is useless, it's vanity, it's vexation of spirit and has an end. Somebody say, hallelujah. But he says that this vanity of mind comes because their understanding is darkened. And the understanding being darkened, they are separated from the life of God. And they are separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. And the ignorance is in them because of the blindness of their hearts. You see, the blind heart brings ignorance. The ignorance alienates man from the life which is of God because the understanding is darkened. And therefore, that man is a Gentile, he's carnal, he's in the flesh. Are you hearing me? When Paul says do not walk, it means it's possible to walk like. Paul is not disqualifying the possibility of somebody, a Christian, a believer like you and I, walking like the Gentiles. The vanity of mind is a very absurd experience if it encounters a Christian who has tested the power of God. There's a way people in the world act. Humanity is so wicked. Men are so wicked. They are even wicked without trying. They don't try to be wicked. They are the first Adamic nature, the original nature in which you and I were created, has a sort of wickedness in there. Jesus says the heart is desperately wicked. You, you understand when the Bible says desperately wicked? Desperate. It's just, just wicked, but it's desperately wicked. You understand what I'm saying? You switch on a television, for example, and you see a comedian or somebody who is trying to crack jokes on television. And he speaks some of the most perverse things you could ever hear a human being speak. 
And there are people who are laughing. And then they ask them, but why are you always perverse? And somebody says, it's what the people like. You're hearing what I'm saying? Today now being funny and comedy is being as perverse as one can be. The funnier they think the person is, the more perverse there is. In fact, those are simultaneous. Where perversion is, there's humor. You don't need to be perverse to be funny. You don't need to express profanity to be funny. You don't need to walk out of modesty to be funny. But it's happening in our world. You understand what I'm saying? We live in a world of hatred. You know, people have hatred. Sadly, even believers, they have a sort of bitterness and hatred and you understand it? You find believers who can't even talk to each other anymore. Born of God. I don't know how they'll sit in heaven. Because God also has a sense of humor. You might wake up in heaven and then you find the chap you had beef with and he was sitting next to you. Who is understanding what I'm saying? It's so sad, the world we live in. In fact, that's why one, the writer says the, lie, the world lies in waste. Do you know what it means to lie in waste? To be comfortable in waste. That's how the world is. But we are not of the world. Tell your neighbor, we are not of the world. We are not of the world. We are not. We are not. We are not. I refuse to be of the world. I refuse to be carnal. I refuse. And God tells you, as long as your understanding is dark, as long as there is darkness on your understanding, you are alienated from the life of God. And that alienation comes because you're ignorant. You're ignorant in your spirit. And that ignorance comes because of blindness. That means the biggest challenge of any Gentile or anybody who walks like a Gentile is blindness. It's not being able to see. That's why Paul says, I want to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. That is why Paul prays for them that the eyes of your understanding being flooded with light, you will know. Because that's the problem. You're fighting because you don't see your next 10 years. You're contending with a dear sister because you don't see your next three years. You're having war with your neighbor because you don't see your next 13 years. You have trouble with the people around you. You are walking in the flesh because you don't see your next 16 years. That is why you're blind. And because you're blind, you're ignorant. And because you're ignorant, the life of God is cut short. It is short-circuited out of your life. Why do people fight? The Bible says they involve in all manner of lasciviousness and greediness. All manner of lasciviousness. Give me the amplified of that. He says they are past feeling. In their spiritual apathy, they have become callous and they are past feeling and are reckless and have abandoned themselves, are prey to unbridled sensuality, eager, greedy to indulge in every form of impurity that their depraved desires may suggest and demand. Because it's human nature. That's the nature of the fallen world. And it's all greedy. It's selfish. The biggest challenge with Christianity, or probably even out the world, of humanity is selfishness. Me, me, me. We don't carry the wisdom to choose, to lose battles, to lose certain things for the sake of the bigger picture. There was a man of God who one time woke up and started to throw words about, about another minister. He started to speak evil about this minister. He says many ugly things. I think that some of the ugliest things I've ever heard of this one person doing that. And then he starts to get church members. You understand? Little young kids, 20 years, eh? 18, sits them down. Can you believe this guy is so-and-so? Can you believe? You understand? 20-year-olds, 18-year-olds, 18-year-olds. 
Get the old also who are gullible. You know in the church we have people who are also weak. They're weak. They're gullible. You understand? Then they get in little chit-chatters and talk and everything. And one time, somehow, my heart started to bleed. So I was led by God to pray for this believer, this man. Because I felt he was going the wrong way. He was off the course of the walk of love. And as I prayed for him, the Lord told me, pray more even for the people that he's killing. You see, let me explain what that means. When a root of bitterness springs in you, the Bible says you defile many. You understand? List a root of bitterness springing up in you, trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. So someone wakes up in the morning, puts on their clothes, eats a nice meal, gets transportation, or puts fuel in their car, or takes a taxi, or even borrows money from their auntie or uncle, comes and sits in a meeting of a bitter man. And then for the whole next one hour, they're defiled. They're defiled. One time I was driving, and for some reason I land on this random radio station, and there was this guy, he owns a radio station and television station, and then he was quarreling and complaining about certain men of God, and he started to call some of these men of God dogs. These dogs. These lumpets. These foolish things. He was referring to men of God that way. I don't care what they had done. But he was a bitter man speaking. It stayed in my head. Eh? How could people sit in that kind of meeting and a man is spewing bitterness and they're simply, these ones are not even quiet, they're screaming. Yes! You understand? Yeah, hallelujah! You understand? And I'm thinking, what madness has, if even people in the world don't do that, how can Christianity be the sole place where men get wars on the altars? What is wrong with people who claim to be Christian? But after praying for these people the more, the Lord told me, pray for them the more. Because you see, he could have wasted himself in his bitterness and chosen to die for it. But how about the innocent souls who do not know the difference between light and darkness? Who don't know the difference between going in and going out? You understand? They don't know even the primary principles of present truth and the gospel. They don't know what it means to be called by God. They don't know what it means to be used by God. They don't even know their days on earth. They don't even know how long they are going to live. Some of them don't even know what the Lord has set in their future. Some of them don't even know that they are literally killing themselves. Because when you sit under a man who is wicked, huh? there's a way wickedness destroys you. There's a way wickedness destroys. When you sit under a wicked man, you become wicked. Proverbs 29, uh, 12. Huh? He says, if a ruler hearkens to lies. Huh? A ruler here, they're meaning a man of God, a minister. If he listens to the deception, either through rumors or the Satan comes to him and, and deceives him. The Bible says all his servants are wicked. They are made wicked. Do you understand? We even have people in the body of Christ who simply move on rumor. They simply move on rumor and cheap talk. Simply on rumor. How can all? can people be? Do you understand what I'm saying? So if somebody comes to me and tells me, pastor stole money and it's a lie and I'm not spiritual enough to discern that lie and instead of praying for pastors, you understand? I heed and hearken to those lies and start also expressing the same story to three, four, five people. You know what I do? I make them wicked. I plant a seed of wickedness in their spirit. Before you know that, you're wicked and you don't even know why you're wicked. You have a hatred in your soul for people. You don't even know why you hate them. You're sour. You're bitter in your heart. You don't even know why you're bitter. You wake up in the morning and you're annoyed. And nobody has angered you. You just wake up in the morning and you're just angry. 
Some people wake up angry. You don't need to annoy them. They are up and down. One day they're smiling, the other day they are not smiling at all. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's a blind person. That's blindness. That's ignorance. That's alienation from the life which is of God. That's why I tell men of God, and I've warned even my fellow ministers, I told them, be very careful that what you speak is only truth. Be very careful that what you hear is only truth. Don't heed to lies. Don't heed to the deception of the devil. Sometimes it's not the things people tell you. Sometimes it's the things Satan speaks to our ears. And we don't even know that Satan is speaking because we think these are simple thoughts. As a young man in the gospel, I taught myself always to compare myself against the word and choose to lose even the sweetest war I could have won if it was contrary to truth. I chose that. And then when you make that decision, God brings every kind of wicked person in your life. And somebody opens things about you and then you go back to your room and think for a moment that if this person has spoken this about me all this long and I'm still standing, yet in your heart you know if you opened two pages of that person, they would close. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because many times every time we turn the mirror to men, we don't look at the mirror ourselves. What about you, righteous one? What about you? What about you? Do you understand what I'm saying? What about you? And it's almost as though all the people who attack you usually have more stories on them than they have on you. It's always funny. You understand? And then wickedness will come in your spirit and tell you, you know what, I'm bitter. If you allow that bitterness to hit you, you're going to find yourself also opening books and chapters about them. And what happens? You're like them. Wow. And you're born again. Praise God. And then you choose the better road. You say, in the name of Jesus, it doesn't matter what this sister speaks upon me, I will not answer anything. That's Christian maturity. Somebody shout hallelujah. And you know why we teach these things? Because you can only indulge in such affairs when you see near or are blind. Blind men do that. Blind men act a certain way. Blind people who don't see 10, 3, 15 years, 20 years ahead of them. I, I told people hating is expensive. It's very expensive to your life, to your soul, to your spirit, and to your destiny. Unforgiveness is very painful and very costly for your life, for your spirit, and your destiny. You understand what I'm saying? So when he tells us, walk not as the Gentiles, they have a vain mind. They have a vain understanding. And every time men turn to vanities or have vain understanding, usually they turn to demonic worship without even knowing. You know, some people don't understand that Beelzebub, yeah, the prince of flies or Satan himself, eh, he's... You see, the line between darkness and light is very thin. That is why God speaks and says, you cannot be lukewarm. You cannot be neither hot nor cold. If you have any trace of Baal in it or Beelzebub in your spirit, the Bible says you'll be spit out, right? Why? Because it is easy to give in to Satan without even knowing it. You just need to be blind. Peter, remember when Jesus is talking about the crucifixion? You remember that time? And now he must die and shed his blood for man. And Peter says, you know what? Uh, 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 I would rather die, but I will not let you die. He said, I will not let you die. I can't. I know how. Peter, Peter is blind. But Peter does not know that he is blind. And Jesus says, get thee behind me, certain, for thou severest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. You think like men. You see the things no more men see. If your eyes were open to understand that my death and resurrection was for your sake and for the changing of the story of the world, that it was expedient that I should carry this cup, you would not be fighting for me. And some people even do the right things, but for the wrong reason. 
because they are blind. And seeing is not seeing a phone number. That's not sight. No, that's a gift. I'm not talking about that kind. Seeing, I'm talking about seeing the story and vision of your life. To know the vision of your life. To know that some of you are struggling with the Lord because you don't have a vision of your life. You don't know your next 10 years. You don't know your next 10 years. You don't know your next 30 years. Even your mistakes are because you don't see further than three years or two years or one year. And you know what? Blind men last. Blind men become greedy because they are anxious. And they are awakened to lack and nothingness because the brain, the mind is vain. Who understands what I'm saying? The mind is vain. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 9, 13, he says, and the Lord says, because they have forsaken my law, which I have set before them, the Bible says, and have not obeyed my voice, neither walked therein, but have walked after the imagination of their own heart and after Baalim, which their fathers taught them. You see, when a man gets into the imagination, the carnal imagination of men, he walks after Baal. He walks after the pattern of this world. Every time you lose the mind of God, you start walking after the pattern of Satan. You start walking after the pattern of the deceiver. You start walking after the pattern of the accuser. You start walking after the pattern of, of Baal, of the prince of demons. You start opening up your soul to many, many, many deceptions, many, many distractions. Every time you ignore the word of God and then start to heed, to the vanity, the nothingness, the vanity in your heart, the imagination of your own heart, the human heart. Because remember, there's always going to be a very continuous war between the thoughts of the human heart and the thoughts of the regenerated heart in Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? You received a new heart. Are you hearing me? Which is of flesh. That heart response to the will of God. But you still have thoughts of the old nature. You still have thoughts of the old heart. The difference between you and the Gentile is that your heart is new, but your thoughts can stay with the old heart. The Gentile, his heart is of stone and his thoughts are of the heart of stone. So what the Christian sometimes finds themselves in is the war between the new creation, the heart that is of flesh, and the thoughts, the thoughts, not the heart of the stony heart. Because you don't have a stony heart. Who is following what I'm saying? But the thoughts of a stony heart. Your imagination becomes vain. Why? Because you are blind. Think about it. That every degree of vanity in your life is as a result of the things you have not seen pertaining your future. You should know and have a clear vision of your life. Refuse to sail through this life with nothingness and simply a normal person who just comes to church, loves the Lord, gets married, some, some may not, and then have children and then just die a normal life. No, you must have a vision of your life. And this is bigger than marriage. It's bigger than having children. It's bigger than driving a nice car or living in a nice house. We're not talking about those things. Those things even the Gentiles have. I'm talking about the real vision. Because until you understand the perfect will of God upon your life, you'll never find true satisfaction. Somebody shout hallelujah. And that is why every time we are teaching the Bible, we are renewing your mind to know that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God concerning your life. Every time you're listening to a man of God teaching, you're renewing your mind. Are you hearing me? Let me go a bit deeper. In Matthew 6.10, in the Lord's Prayer, it says, thy kingdom come, okay? The word thy kingdom is realm. It says, we, we pray that your realm will come, that thy will be done in earth, comma, as is in heaven. Huh? Are you hearing me? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as is in heaven. 
when the realm of God comes, when the realm of God comes, his will is done on us or in us as he is in heaven, as it is in heaven. Not as it's being done in heaven. Heaven is not slower than us. Earth is slower than heaven. Everything of the earth only proceeds, right? It, it comes after every experience and indulgence of heaven. You understand what I'm saying? Every experience that you see on the earth is as a result of the things that have already taken place in heaven. You're following me? You remember when he talks about whatsoever you bind on earth in Matthew 16? Huh? Whatsoever you shall bind on earth, it shall be in heaven. He says, truly I tell you that whatever you forbid and declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already, thank you, that's the Amplified. The Amplified says, the KJV says, shall be, no, but you see, the Amplified says, truly I tell you, truly I tell you, whatever you forbid and declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already forbidden in heaven. He said, must be. He said, must be. I'm trying to open your mind here and your spirit to something very deep. And he says, and whatever you permit and declare proper and lawful on earth must be what is already permitted in heaven. So he's saying, every earthly experience must have a heavenly precedence. Whether you're talking of your finances, whether you're talking of your ministry, whether you're talking of your marriage, whether you're talking of your children, whether you're talking of your career, whether you're talking of everything that you're doing, he says, whatsoever you forbid and declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit and declare proper and lawful on earth must be what is already permitted in heaven, must be what is already permitted. All right? Now, here he's not saying that it's already set necessarily in heaven, so there's nothing you can change on earth, right? Otherwise, then what's the place of free will and asking for anything? You see that? What he's telling you and I is that you must live your life from heaven. Are you hearing me? Fix from heaven and then come on earth and declare unlawful, improper, when you have dealt with your heavenly mind. Do you understand it? When he says must be what has already been forbidden in heaven, here he's not saying that God already ordained how everything should be, therefore you just simply uh, walk into uh, necessarily everything that, that you know he has ordained, so if it's not there, it won't work. To some extent, it could relate, but in this instance, it's not so. Why? Then that would mean there is no point of preaching the gospel to certain people because God ordained that they should not listen. How? He introduces the powerful principle, will. He wills that no man perish, but that they might all come to the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. So when the Bible says, he will have all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, it means that God wills for them. Now, if he wills for their salvation, can he fail in what he wills if their choice and will agrees with his will? You understand what I'm saying? It's like saying God wills to heal you, but you will not be healed, and he has ordained that you will die even if he wants to heal you. It means that he has set a precedence of a law and principle in him, you understand? To not be able to change certain things even though he wants to change them, and that is not God. He cannot want to change something and is not able to change the only reason why he is not able to change what he wants to change must have to do with how you respond to what he wills to change. I will to heal you. Are you responding to divine health? I will to change you. Are you responding to change? 
You understand? I want to help you. Do you want to be helped? Because there are people who say, you know what, I would rather die, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I swear, I will not change. Even when they're angry, they say it a lot. I would rather die than forgive Sister Rachel. Ah, what did I die? Ooh. So you choose death. You see what I'm saying? It's the same thing I'm trying to tell you here. But when he says whatsoever, remember, before he says that, these were keys that were given to Peter. Remember? How can they be keys when you don't have the right to twist them? Here, he's talking about the truth that is in your docket to change. Remember, he says, I give you the keys of heaven and earth. Right? He says, I give you the keys. He told Peter, I, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Right? And whatsoever thou shalt bind. You see? I will give you the keys of heaven. And whatsoever thou, I will give you the keys. I will give you the keys of heaven. Heaven, not earth. Heaven. That means that you have access to heaven. I will give you the way to access heaven. I'll show you the pattern of accessing heaven. I'll show you the pattern of how to enter into the heavenly realms, fix, declare improper, unlawful, and forbidden in heaven, and then when you do that, you come back on earth, declare unlawful and forbidden on earth, and it shall happen. Wow! So it doesn't matter how powerful your declarations are, on earth, if they don't have a heavenly bearing, if they don't have a heavenly source, if they don't have a heavenly pre-existence, those thoughts, those confessions are entirely useless. That's why you have Christians who are confessing things that will never come to pass. You have believers who are speaking upon themselves things that they will never happen. Why? Because their mind is still of the earth. They walk like the Gentiles. They're blind. But when you leave the Gentile world and then enter the spirit world and then understand how the keys of heaven work, you will go to heaven, declare, agree, decree, speak forth and establish. And then you'll come on the earth and start speaking. But when you're speaking, everything will, that you speak will come to pass. It will manifest. Why? Because you have begun from the heavenlies, you have access. Paul says that our conversations are in heaven. From whence we look. From whence we look. Oh, thank you, Lord. He says that our conversations are in heaven. Our conversation is in heaven. From whence we also look for the Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. We, 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 they begin from the heavenlies and then they come on the earth. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Our conversations begin from here. Our prayer life begins from here. Our confession begins from heaven. Then it comes on the earth. And because it is so, let me give you one of the keys so you understand what I mean, what, when it means keys. Let me give you one of the keys. Right? One of the keys of heavens, the heavens, understanding the heavenlies, the realm of God, eh? One of the primary keys, fundamental keys of this life is that God, the realm of God, is not subject and neither designed in earthly time. Hmm? Deaths, years, weeks. It's doesn't work with your time because God is out of time. He's not in time. He's out of time. Some people say, oh, God will come in time to save you. God does not need to get in time to save you. Time is too small for God to fit in. Time is God's idea not dwelling. It's simply an idea he has. So he doesn't need to fit himself into the idea. Because the idea is too small for him to fit in. Do you understand? I'm giving you one of the keys. One of the keys. Because of that then, Every time you have these keys, every time, for example, you understand this way, 
You don't involve and engage your faith best on the time equation. I'll give you an example. You read a scripture like, whatsoever you shall ask, believe that you have received it, and the Bible says, and you shall have them, right? Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. I'm just giving you an example. Whatever you desire, whatever. There's a man who believes to get money and then build a nice building and then use it, right? There's a time frame between getting that money, building that building, and using it. But what if the time I want to use that building, I've run out of time for its purpose? You see? Jesus tells them, okay, break this temple and I will rebuild it for three days. And they tell him, wait a minute, it took us 40 what? 40 what years? To build it. How do you think that you're going to wake up in the morning and just simply, but this he spoke concerning his body. But you see, more than that, the carnal mind would think, okay, Jesus meant his body because it was practically impossible to build that building in three days, which was built for 46 years. Wrong. The number 40 represents trial. Trials. The number six represents man. You understand? So when he says that the temple was built for 46 years, it means that this is an establishment that was built by the affair, the attempt, the trial of man. Physical man. Gentiles, do you understand what I'm saying? This is something, 40 trial, six man, it means that this, is, this was a trial of man that took 46 years. The, the 46 years means these were men trying to build an idea. That was not God trying to build an idea. God's idea does not need 46 years. The Lord told me the day we will come to this realization finally, men will create things in hours. You see, when the Bible says that with God all things are possible, what does that mean? Let me ask you a question. Is it possible to wake up tomorrow morning and the dry ground has a building erected which would take 46 years and it's taken hours? Is it possible? And somebody said, no, it's not, because you see, there are other earthly laws that are subject to take place. And I tell you, where do you live? Are you beginning from respecting earthly laws to establish heavenly ideas? Or are you beginning from heaven, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Who is following what I'm trying to say? There's somebody, they sent me a story. This person, when we were teaching one of those days, the person says, God, I want a house. I don't even want to build. I'm not even in the mood of building. I don't even don't want to even waste my time getting money to build. I just want a house, the person said. And a couple of days later, somebody gave this person a whole complete house. You understand what I'm saying? This is someone who had a heavenly mind on something and did not want to have an earthly way of building it. Are you hearing me? And, but there was somebody building. See, it's like when the Bible says that the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the just. It eventually finds its way in the hands of the righteous. There is a man right now working so hard, so hard, so hard, so hard, so hard, but he is working for you. It was laid up for you. Are you hearing me? It was laid up for you. 
But that man is working hard. He's doing everything he can just to make sure he perfects an idea. Are you hearing me? And after perfecting that idea, it fits in the same immediate time when you desire it. That God does not give you an opportunity to desire when he has not availed the provision of your desire. He says he shall give you all your heart's desires. This is a fundamental key. God does not fit in human time. When you come in the heavenlies and declare improper and unlawful and wrong and you declare it, when you come back on us to declare it, the heavenly time of the spirit is not in any way subject to the earthly manifestation. The earthly manifestation is subject to the heavenly experience. Indeed, he says, earth groans, creation groans for that manifestation. That means even the earth is like, I'm running out of time. The moment you declare it, it starts to prepare itself to respond to what you have done in the heavenly places. When you learn to live from the heavenlies, I'll probably give you one more. There are, there are a couple of them. There are probably seven or eight of them. But let me give you one more key. Because heaven does not work on the timing eh, of us, eh, it leads us to also another fundamental concept and idea in these things we call keys, right? You learn to live at the end of your expectation. You learn to live at the end of your expectation. Because expectation is, is an earthly element. It's not a heavenly experience. In heaven, there is no expectation. Because the realities of the eternal life dispel anything to expect because they express every possibility of that manifestation. So there's no expectation in heaven. It's on the earthly plane, right? Look at how you respond to the power of expectation. You are sick, right? He was wounded for transgressions, bruised for iniquities, and service of the peace was born in, by his stripes you were healed. You go to the end of your healing. That's a man living in heaven, right? If you go to the end of your healing, you're past expectation. You're in a place of present reality by knowledge, right? For that cause, there's a joy that comes to your spirit because it carries the fulfillment of the end of that thing. There is no fear, there is no worry, there is nothing in the immediate space because you have dealt with all that. You're sitting at the end of things. You're sitting where everything is done and worked out. You're sitting in the place of possibility. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's so hard for that kind of person to go back to bed and cry. Impossible. Because those tears spell your blindness. Those tears say that you're blind to the end of what's happening. So you're anxious. And because you're anxious, then you start crying. You see? You start lamenting. You start wailing. You start having a sudden, a sudden heart and a somber mood. Why? Because you don't see the end of it all. When Jesus saw the victory that was beset before him. The Bible says he endured the cross. Why? Because he saw that joy that was set before him. He saw the joy that was set before him. Why is joy is the end of it? Joy is not the middle. Joy is not on the way. Joy is the end of every man who has believed. You understand what I'm saying? You don't go through any of these things with any trouble in your life. Yes some things have delayed to come. I understand. Yes, some things simply are failing to manifest yet. But what is the state of your heart? If you go to the end of it, right, joy will automatically come that even when things are not happening the way they ought to, you're still a happy person. 
But you see, if your understanding is darkened, you're alienated from the life of God. You carry ignorance in your heart because of the blindness. You will enter into greediness and selfishness and lust. You know why men lust? You know why men crave? It is because they don't carry the satisfaction of their expected end. The satisfaction of their expected end. When you're here, you can't last. And you can't be selfish either. Because you know your end. You see your end. You leave from your end. And when you leave from your end, you now come back on earth. Are you hearing me? You come back on us from your end. Let's say you're believing for financial breakthrough and you begin from here where God has supplied all, not may my God supply, not my God shall, but my God has supplied all my needs according to resources and glory in Christ Jesus. When you return back on earth, he says, for I returned unto the earth, the sun, under the sun, and so that the rest, I returned, I returned from uh, to under the sun, I, I returned, I returned to under the sun, I returned, I returned, the Ecclesiastes says, I returned to under the sun, and I saw that the rest was not to the swift, because they are swift on the earth, hallelujah. But I know how to be swift in the heavenly things. They are strong on the earth, but I know how to fight my battle in the spiritual way. They are rich on the earth, but I know how to be rich in the heavenly things. I carry the understanding. I carry the swiftness. I carry the, the wisdom. Time and chance, it happens to them all. But you see, he didn't say, but time and chance happens to us all. He excluded himself because he was a man returning from under the... <laughs> Hallelujah. He was a man returning from the heavenly places, coming down to the sun. When he comes under the sun, he says, oh, time and chance happens to them all. But he excluded himself because he's not in earthly time. He's not on the chance of earth. You know, the chance of earth has meritocracy. It's merit. It's who do you know? Who is connected? You might have a chance because of who you're connected to. Ah, ah, the man of heaven doesn't need any connection to have time. The man of heaven does not need any connection to have a chance. The man of heaven does not need any connection to have an opportunity. The man of heaven does not need a network and a connection of a certain man and woman of God to come and then work on you because if they don't work on you, you'll not go through. All oh, this government is provided. People are corrupt the Lord help you. You know, it's very hard for you to get this deal because, you know, there are many people in the deal. No! That man begins from here. Hallelujah. And when he begins from here, he, he returns to the earth. Hallelujah. And then he comes and, oh, whatsoever they bind there, it's already bound here. The networks they think they have, you've already built the other side. Hallelujah. The connections they're trying to build in the time frame of earth, you've already redeemed in the heavenly time. The understanding they seek to have, you have already established in the heavenly time. The battles they're fighting on the earth, you have already won in the heavenlies. So you return under the earth. You find men with vine minds. They're selfish. They're greedy. They're competing. They're fighting each other. They're speaking about each other. They're rumor mongering. They're doing all these funny things. But for you, you know your end. Hallelujah. Oh, glory! Let them talk. You're still more than a conqueror. Let them fight you. You're still more than a conqueror. Because you come from somewhere. Tell somebody I come from somewhere. So when you come from heaven and then come on the earth, you start to see that indeed the race is not to the swift. They can run fast, but you have your speed. So stop comparing yourself with people. It does not matter how fast they've gone. Yes, let them drive cars and yes, it's okay. You fix this. You will realize that you don't need 10 years. 
you will realize that you don't need 20 years. You realize that you do not need 30 years. You will understand that you don't need 20 connections. You will know that you don't need the minister to know you, the president to relate. You, don't, you will know that you don't need anybody but him. That's why I tell people, don't worry if things have not yet come. No. Only worry if you don't have the vision of your life and you have not understood to begin from here. And work on this. Work on this. Work on this. I experienced this in about 2013. It was the first time I had the full, I used to have part, but it was the first time I had the full understanding of what it means to return under the sun. I, and that was the day I had the full apprehension of what it means simply to return under the sun. And I started to see how men see things, how men relate with life. And I saw how human life was so limited in understanding. And from then on, I started living there. Fanero began here. And then it came on the earth. So everything we declare has already been declared in the heavenlies. You will not fail. Tell anybody you will not fail. Tell anybody you will not fail. Live from the realm of heaven. Just talk to God. Lord of creation. start before the beginning of time with no point of reference you spoke to the dark and flushed out the mantle of light and as you speak a hundred billion galaxies fall In the vapor of your breath the planets fall The stars were meant to worship so alive I can see your heart and everything you do Every burning star signifies grace. If creation thinks it praises over life, so. your promise you don't speak in vain syllable empty your voice for once you have spoken all nature and science full of the sound of your Evolving in pursuit of what you say If it all reveals your nature so alive 
to be carnal men we refuse to be blind the Bible says that is not how so we have learned of Christ if indeed we have been taught by him we're not babes that will be tossed to and fro by all waves of doctrine and the cunning craftinesses of men that lie in wait to deceive we are your children and we know you Somebody give the Lord a mighty angle of praise. Come on. Clap for Jesus. If you're sick in your body, you were healed. <laughs> Come on, celebrate your healing. Celebrate your victory. Celebrate your financials. Celebrate your marriage. Your children. Come on. Thank you, Lord. It's done. If you're here, 
and you've never given your life to Jesus, I want you to come and receive him as your Lord and Savior. Come. If you're not born again and you feel you want to receive Jesus today, come and receive him. Repeat these words after me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me. You shed your blood for me. Tonight, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. You are the Son of God who came in the flesh for me. Tonight, my life is yours. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest.